the angels and the saints want to be involved in our work of evangelization and our apostolate. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. I'm Dave Van Vickle, and I am not today joined by my co-host, Michael Gormley. Sorry, he's taking the week off here, um, or at least I'm making him take the week off. We have just these crazy schedules right now with uh, with COVID and all this kind of stuff. Gomer is, you know, his job is always crazy, and my schedule is always nuts, too, with all the kids and everything like that. Um, so had a hard time linking up, but uh, definitely have an episode for you today, and I'm excited to talk to you uh, and a little update uh, in my life. Um, it's a kind of a reflection, I guess, to start at the beginning. It, you know, there, there's a a tough part of evangelization, um, and that is kind of looking at yourself as a seed planner. Uh, and and the tough part about that is that. You don't necessarily always get to watch the seeds grow and to come to fruition. You know, in a lot of ways, God calls you to plant seeds for fruit that you will not see. Um, and sure, there's a, there's a lot of ways that that is true. Um, in, in the sense that some some fruits of evangelization you just don't see. You you don't necessarily see them. They're not they're not necessarily uh, physical or tangible in that way, but they're there. But there's also another way that I mean it, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about just briefly. Uh, and that is when you're called just to plant the seed and then move on. You know, I recently had the experience of packing up my office at yet another parish um, and uh, and saying goodbye to another parish community that I've grown close to over the last two years um, after after trying my best, you know, to evangelize and everything like that. As you know, I, I think we've mentioned it on the show before, um, you know, the Diocese of Pittsburgh is going through a massive, um, not expansion, the opposite, you know, a, a massive uh, just reorganizing of the parishes. And we're going from like over 200 parishes down to like 50 parishes. Um, and so recently we got a new pastor um, at the place where I was working and I thought, um, you know, with everything going on, I thought in my life with Amber and everything like that, um, it it might be a good time to uh, to move on, um, just because I was uh, cutting, being cut so thin as far as my duties at home and my duties at the parish, and so it's probably best to kind of get a new start, you know, with a new pastor. He can hire someone um, for his vision and everything. So July first, um, I officially ended my uh, tenure at that at the parishes here in Pittsburgh. And um, I'm kind of taking a break right now. We'll be looking for a new job soon, which I think I mentioned last week. But it's hard. It's 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 really hard because evangelization is intimate, and it's um, it, it builds such charity, right? You know, it's a it's a work of of mercy, and 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 you get involved in people's lives. And one of the last things that you know, I packed up from my office was just, uh, it was just a picture. It was a little like Polaroid photo of, of a man, you know, and, and my son Judah who was helping me pack up, asked, you know, who it was. And I said, it's just, just a guy that somebody asked me to pray for, right? It was a husband, somebody's husband who, uh, one of the parishioners who started coming to a lot of my events and things kind of had a conversion while I was there. Um, she just asked me now, would you, would you pray for my husband? Right. It's those kind of relationships, uh, that intimacy that you build, and it's hard to leave behind. You know, it's hard to be 
just a seed planter. Uh, I've been blessed in my parish before that where I was able to stay for a long time. But every time you leave, you leave behind um, something growing that you won't see come to fruition. And it's a it's a tough thing, but it's also a time for you to place your trust in God, right? For evangelists, uh, I think I I would I would venture to say the hardest part of evangelization is patience and trust, right? Patience and trust, because you want something for these people so deeply, and you want it fast. You know, you know what they're missing, and and so you want it deeply, and so to move on and to not be able to see that come to fruition is tough. And I I fully plan to. Um, keep them in my life and certainly in my heart. Uh, but it, it's just, it's something that I thought I'd bring up because, um, it's true for all evangelists. We all have these situations where we leave behind and, and you can think about, uh, the great evangelists, right? The great evangelists of history, uh, who left behind communities to go on and spread the gospel further. Uh, Paul, you know, leaving communities and, and things like that. And, uh, St. Francis Xavier, all, all these people who had to leave communities that they built, um, that they worked to build, right? Societies that became Christian, uh, that they worked to build and then they leave them behind. It's, it's, uh, you leave a little bit of your heart behind, you know? So, uh, for all you evangelists out there who, uh, know what I'm talking about, or for those who don't know what I'm talking about, but you will experience it. I, I feel for you, and uh, I, I would say that it's a time for us to just focus on trust and trusting that God will bring the right people into their life. Um, I'm, I'm certain that the you know the new pastor of this parish will hire someone who's uh, just perfectly suited for to serve the people of God in, in the place where I was. So, uh, I just have to have faith, right. That God will lead them into that way. That's not the the bulk of the topic today. What I want to talk about is I want to mention two willing partners, uh, that we aren't engaging in our work of evangelization, two willing partners, two different groups of, um, persons, I guess is how I should say it that we normally are not engaging in our evangelization efforts. And those two willing groups of persons, okay, maybe maybe you already know where I'm leaning here because I said persons and not people, um, are number one, the angels, and number two, the saints. Okay, so I want to talk today about engaging the angels and the saints in our work of evangelization, how that what that can look like, how it can be fruitful, and also how... Um, how it can really enhance um, our work of evangelization. This has uh, been an ongoing theme in my life, right? Uh, that the angels and saints have kind of made themselves known to me. Um, and, and I'm sure people listening, you know, it's not that's not special to me and specific to me. I'm sure many of you feel like at times in your life, uh, saints have kind of burst into your life in one way or another, or the angels have intervened in your life in one way or another. But these are two extremely wonderfully, how do I say it? Wonderfully Catholic ideas, right? That the angels and the saints would want to be involved in our work of evangelization and our apostolate. And they desperately do. This is one of those things that, you know, I, I, I see, um, so much good fruit of things where we're trying to draw from our Protestant brothers and sisters, right? Different movements in the Catholic church where we're trying to draw, evangelization experience, evangelization tools, evangelization fervor from our Protestant brothers and sisters. This would be an example of something that is thoroughly Catholic, right? This idea that the angels and saints 
uh, want to and and often do uh, intervene in our work of apostolate, and that that's what they're there for. Um, that they they or that's one of the reasons they're there, right? That that God is allowing His creations, right, to uh, to work together interchangeably, right? Um, they they really want to be involved in all of this. So I'm going to talk a little bit about each of these scenarios and and tell you a little bit about how. Uh, I engage the angels and the saints uh, in my evangelization, and I'm going to give you some tips on how to engage them and and, and things like that. So let, let's start with the the angels, right? It says in the Catechism, right? I think it's it's in the 300 paragraphs, 330 or something like that. Uh, it says uh, that the whole life of the church benefits from the mysterious and powerful help of the angels, right? The whole life of the church benefits from the mysterious. And powerful help of the angels. I'm, I'm not. I think I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I don't think I'm quoting there. So don't, don't uh, write in and complain. But this is amazing, right? If it's the whole life of the church uh, that benefits from the mysterious and powerful help of the angels, then certainly we can assume that that extends to evangelization. Why? Well, it's just one step away, right? Pope Paul the sixth says the church exists, right, to evangelize. So if the whole life of the church benefits from them, then we know that our evangelization benefits from them. And we can also see that it's the testament of scripture, right? Uh, an angel, the word angel just means messenger. It's their job. It's not what they are, right? St. Augustine points out that the word angel is um, is just what they do, right? What they are is a spirit, um, and so angel meaning messenger, right? Right away, we can see a kinship, right? That's what we are. We are divine messengers. We are uh, living out our prophetic role of bringing the message of the good news to others, right? The message of Jesus Christ to others. So there's a kinship there right away. We should also see from scripture, right? How many times angels were used to deliver the good news, right? Uh, that angels are constantly being used by God uh, to intervene in his uh, workings here on earth. The, obviously, namely, the, the, the most important one, the most important one being the Annunciation, right? When the angel Gabriel announces unto Mary the good news, right? That Christ will be born of her, right? This is this is a model that the entire church looks to for evangelization, and it involves an angel. So we should look to it as well, that the the job of Gabriel was to preach the good news to Mary, literally good news, news of great joy, uh, and that Mary's assent to that good news, that yes, is exactly what we're trying to accomplish here on this in our apostolate every single day, right? So angels are are constantly wanting to be involved, right? Uh, another part of the catechism says, um, for for the life of a Christian, and I think a human life, uh, they're surrounded. We're surrounded by watchful care and intercession. Um, beside each believer, there stands an angel, right? A protector. Uh, this is, of course, a, a an echo to our guardian angels, right? Our guardian angels that we know uh, that the angels interact in our life by protecting us, guiding us, shepherding us, um, praying for us, uh, trying to influence us for good and push us away from 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 bad, right? These are this is a beautiful, beautiful partnership uh, between the corporal and spiritual world uh, that we can engage, right? So what are some ways that we can engage uh, the angels in our evangelization? From from the almost the beginning of my life as an evangelist, right? Um, 
I had a strong relationship with the angels um, through uh, the spiritual warfare that I was seeing. And so I often engage them in other parts of my life as well, uh, namely what we're talking about today, evangelization. Uh, one of the ways that I often did that was by asking my guardian angel to commune, right? And to, uh, I guess, uh, in a sense, strategize or scheme, I guess is probably the word I would have used, together with the guardian angel of the person that I'm trying to evangelize, right? To work together. I, I would I would pray and just ask for uh, their, their intercession, right? The guardian angels, right? This is like a really important thing. I would ask um, for the intercession of the person's guardian angel, the person who I'm trying to evangelize. Even if it was a group, I would ask for the intercession of all their guardian angels. I would ask for their guardian angel to uh, help them to listen better, to help them to open their heart more, to help them to solidify that afterwards, after I left, that they would give them lights and and blessings, right, that, uh, that would solidify the conversation that we had even when we were apart. Uh, and I would ask the guardian angel to protect them, right, because we know that a, a new budding disciple uh, is in a dangerous place, is a very precarious situation. And just like in the parable, right, the evil one is always ready to come behind and sow the wrong seed amongst with the good seed, right? And so I would ask for the, the protection of the guardian angels. So here, here are three specific ways you can engage the angels. Um, that was just one uh, example of the guardian angels. Number one, we can ask for their prayers, right? I know a lot of you, because of listening to this program, have begun to start intercession teams. And that's important. I, that's That's a really important thing to do. Uh, have a team of intercessors, people praying specifically for you uh, and for those who um, that you uh, work uh, with, uh, that God would, you know, uh, shine forth, right? That you would in decrease and that he would increase. Um, and that's important. Intercessory prayer is important. Well, when we leave the angels out of our intercessory prayer, right, we leave out an entire group of people, uh, of persons who desperately want to just uh, ask and beg God, right, uh, for you on your behalf. So asking for their intercession can be very powerful. Number two, you can ask for their intervention, right? Angels um, are, how can I say this? They're constantly intervening in our life. We we don't necessarily always know it, right? They're, um, we don't necessarily always see it as a miracle, right? There's not always miraculous intervention in our life, something that we would see that would be beyond the rules of nature or or very, very like physical things that they do. Um, although I would argue that there's more of that than we than we realize. You know, almost everybody has a story uh, I, I found when I speak about their guardian angel doing something miraculous in their life. But they intervene constantly, whether you feel it or not. Your guardian angel is constantly, constantly intervening in our life by um, inspiring us to do good things and trying to warn us from doing bad things by uh, sometimes even physically preventing us from doing things, right? From protecting us, uh, from constantly uh, watching over us, right? And so asking for their intervention in the life of someone that you're discipling, someone that you're evangelizing can be a really fruitful thing because they're already working in that person's life, right? And so for us to kind of agree on that, right? Uh, 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 we, the evangelists and the angels to agree together, right? 
to draw this person to Jesus Christ is a powerful union that we can create here. And so we ask for their intervention to protect. Uh, we ask for their intervention to lead them to the right books and CDs and to the right um, relationships and for their intervention to keep them from the wrong places and the wrong um, situations that would cause them to be drawn away, right? Uh, and to warn them when they're headed down the wrong path. So we ask specifically for their intervention. So we ask one, intercession, two, intervention. And number three, they're also a great topic to teach about. Okay. Now I wouldn't jump right out teaching a new convert about angels, right? Because for some people, depending on what their worldview is, right? Uh, that might be a, a long stretch, right? This isn't uh, something you, you just accept immediately. And, and for a lot of people, they've kind of turned the, the concept of angels into like a fairy tale kind of a thing. But teaching them about the angels can be a really fruitful thing to do. Why? Well, for a lot of people, uh, you know, what the devil does is try to take away the peace that they get when they give their life to Christ. And he does so by making them feel alone. He does so by making them feel doubt, all those kinds of things. So teaching them that there is an angel by their side all the time, right? And not just an angel by their side, but that there are quite literally possibly billions of angels all, you know, rejoicing together with God, that we're all pointed kind of in the same direction, right? That even when we feel alone, we are with and we are amongst the angelic choir worshiping the Lord, right? This, this can be a beautiful thing for a new convert to learn. It can also be really comforting, right? Uh, spe specifically for children, right? If you, all those DREs out there teaching um, about guardian angels should be one of the top things that you do in your program. Um, and I'm not saying that it should take the bulk of time, but what I'm saying is probably every year you should introduce kids to the concept of their guardian angel. It's something that we don't see a lot of more, but it's really important, right? I mean, think about how important this is. God created this angel specifically for one person on earth, right? Uh, and we're talking specifically about guardian angels right now. Guardian angels aren't recycled, right? When a person goes to heaven, they don't like hand in your file and say, okay, God, uh, we got a success here. You know, what's, what's my next case? That's not the way it works. And they go down to another baby or something. Your guardian angel was created for you probably at the beginning of time, right? The church uses the word simultaneously that the angelic world was created uh, in creation um, and has been in a sense waiting for you. I mean, they're, they're not in linear time like we are, but in a sense waiting for you until you were born. Right. This is this is an amazing, amazing thing to understand that that angel was created specifically for the sole purpose of helping you get to heaven. So it's a it's a great thing to learn about. Right. This is a this is a huge ally that we don't normally think about and talk about. And I think probably for a lot of us, we shy away from teaching um, specifically converts to the faith about um, the Catholic teaching on angels because it can already be very difficult to understand um, any kind of mediation, right? Priests, saints, those kinds of things. Mary, those are hard concepts for sometimes our um, former evangelical brothers and sisters to, to, to accept. Angels might be a little bit easier, but sure enough, eventually at some point it would be a good idea, right, to use the angels as a point of catechesis of evangelization. They are created 
primarily to communicate the glory of God. And so they will communicate that to the person you're trying to evangelize. So one, ask for their intercession. Two, ask for their intervention. And three, teach about them. Now let's move on to my friends, the saints, okay? The angels and saints together constitute probably the greatest, yeah, not probably, (laughs) that's a terrible word to even say, Uh, the greatest army that ever existed, right? Um, Even though they are part of the church triumphant, they are also very actively involved in the life of the church militant. And so the saints can be... um, uh, sometimes our greatest allies, right, in this journey of evangelization, okay? Uh, this my, my humble opinion about the saints, and I guess you, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call me. I'm not, I'm certainly not an expert. Um, I, I'd be like an armchair hagiographer, I guess, right? Uh, they call, you know, they have armchair quarterbacks, people who, you know, constantly, they think they know everything because they're sitting in their chair watching. I guess that would be me. I, I feel like I, uh, the saints have played such a big role in my life. And so my opinion, my humble opinion, is that the saints are almost desperate to get involved in our life, right? That that there are constant nudgings, um, uh, that there are constant lights that we receive be- through the intercession of the saints, right? And through the communion of saints, and that God is very willing to allow someone to intervene in our life, a saint to intervene in our life. Uh, for a few reasons, right? So he can show us, look at what I can do to you if you surrender to me. Look at what I can do in your heart if you surrender to me, right? So the saints are constantly um, trying to um, be involved and they want to be involved. So let's engage them. A few ways I've engaged them in the past. I always look for the right intercessor for a person, Right. I always I'm always trying to look for the right saint intercessor. Now, every saint can intercede. Right. And and we and we ask for all the saints. Right. There's no question about that. But it's weird. It's a mysterious thing. The way God has allowed this to work, that's for some reason, certain saints are allowed to intervene more so in the life of someone than others. Right. And and it's like they kind of push forward. And so I always uh, start with just even namesakes. Right. So if I'm, you know, uh, trying to evangelize someone and their and their name is Thomas or something like that or Tom, right? I pray to the different Saint Thomases, right? It's Thomas the Apostle, Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I, I'm probably not covering all my bases, right? But um, but I look, I start there. Sometimes if I know that there's a specific struggle in the life of a disciple, like for instance, um, let's say they struggle with. Um, uh, chastity or something like that, right? Then I would pray for the intercession of St. Maria Goretti. I would pray for the intercession of St. Maria Goretti. And so, uh, you know, I, w- I would look for that specific saint, right, that kind of wants to intervene in their life. And sometimes you, you you can imagine, like, it's not what you expect. I know one time in particular, right, I was uh, working with this woman at a parish, and she just had a really horrible, horrible woundedness from her childhood, uh, specifically from her father, right? And it was like months and months and months, and there was just no progress being made. She was just so hurt, and it was so awful. Her heart was so closed off, and she desperately wanted freedom. She desperately wanted to have a relationship with God, but, you know, it's it's very, very difficult to have a relationship with God the Father, right? Um, when you have a poor relationship with your own father. And so finally, I don't know, it just occurred to me, like maybe I should start praying for the intercession of St. Joseph. And so I, I started to ask St. Joseph, St. Joseph, please just father this woman, you know, please do whatever you can, intervene, pray for her, do whatever you can. And I started to see like a little bit more freedom 
So then I thought, well, you know, I'll enlist some other fathers, started praying to other saints who were fathers, right? And and, and really, I, I don't obviously this is anecdotal. I don't have any hard data, but I could see this woman kind of start to open up just to the even concept that there are good fathers out there. Uh, and, and over that time of intercession, I really saw a big change, like where I was asking, actively engaging uh, St. Joseph and other saints who were fathers, right, to pray for this woman. And I just saw it start to open up. And the beautiful healing that came through her finally really making Jesus Christ the center of her life, right, of, of accepting what he wanted to do in her life. Uh, it was it was amazing. And and I, I, for one, I mean, you might think it's, I don't know, um, pious or childish or something, but uh, overly pious or childish. But but I think that certainly that was a case of St. Joseph intervening, right? So how do we, what are three ways we can ask the saints to involve, we can get the saints involved in our evangelization? Number one, we can ask for their intercession, just like the angels, right? And should constantly ask for their intercession. Uh, if you don't engage the saints on, on behalf of the people that you um, evangelize, at least you should have your own kind of litany that you engage them, right? Uh, at least you should have your own kind of um, litany of saints that are, are a part of your life, right? I have one of these, right? I ask for intercession of St. Francis, St. Simeon Stylite, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, almost every female mystic, right? Those are That's kind of my, my uh, obsessions, right? The female mystics. Um, St. Gemma Golgani, of course, um, Blessed Bartolo Longo, different different saints like this, right? I, every morning I pray for the intercession of kind of my family of saints, right? I pray for the intercession of all saints, but but ask them to pray for you. That's that's what they do, right? It's what they want to do. It's what they can do, and they and they're ready and willing to be engaged. Are they already praying for you? Yes, but in some mysterious way, God wants us to have this inner. Uh, locking relationship with them where we ask them, right, to pray for us, okay? Number two, much more obvious example, read their examples of evangelization. Read the lives of the saints. Read their examples of evangelization. Uh, you will be absolutely delighted when you read some of the most incredible evangelists that ever lived, right? The stories that they have and the lengths that they went and the challenges that they face in evangelization, right? That don't, don't think that don't canonize their story, right? I mean, they've been canonized for the holiness of life, their souls don't canonize their story. In fact, many of them, right. Um, I think, think of one in particular, St. Isaac jokes, right. Went through problem after problem after problem and, and, uh, failure after failure after failure, even to the point of getting his, his thumbs bitten off, right? And having to return to Rome to ask for special permission to say the Mass uh, without thumbs, right? Because he couldn't hold the Eucharist correctly. And only to only to immediately return to the continent, right? So that, so that he could go back to his people, right? There are amazing examples of evangelization. So number two, uh, number one, ask for their intercession. Number two, read their examples of evangelization. Number three, I would say, is one of the most important and most misunderstood parts of why I think the saints are important in catechesis and evangelization. The saints, uh, I'll explain it this way. You know, the first time I ever saw someone love Jesus Christ the way Jesus should be loved 
was when I read the life of St. Francis of Assisi. When I, I read this book, it's called The Omnibus of Sources, which is a collection of, of you know different things that he wrote and people wrote about him. It was like the first time I ever thought, now this is the first example I can think of of someone who loved Jesus the way he was meant to be loved, right? In Francis of Assisi. He, he loved Jesus correctly, right? Maybe he was late to the game in the sense that he had his conversion, you know, um, like when he was college age. Um, but it didn't matter. Like he, he, he responded with abandon. I think that is very, very important that we teach them, teach those that we're trying to evangelize and catechize that not necessarily that they look only to us, not necessarily that they look only to living examples, but that they look to the saints because we do live in a, a church in a crisis, right? And the church in crisis is a, a crisis of belief. It's a crisis of evangelization, a crisis of silence. So if they look at the pews and say, oh, that's how I be a Catholic. That's how, how, that's how I can be a Catholic. That might not be the best representation of what they should be seeing. So if we give them an example, right, in the lives of the saints, right, uh, of how to be Catholic thoroughly, truly, authentically, that can be enough for them to say, oh, that's the goal I'm striving for. I'm not striving to be an usher. I'm not striving to be a lector, although those are good things. I'm not trying to be a Knight of Columbus. I'm not striving to be that, although those can be good things. What I'm striving to be is an expert lover of Jesus Christ, and that can be found in the lives of the saints. Now, I hope it's found in your life. I hope it's found in my life. I try, but there's something about the the level of generosity they had with God, the level of intensity they they had in their relationship with Jesus um, that we can see on paper, we can see maybe in media, right? That that people need to see, right? They need to see that that's the end goal. The end goal is not <clears throat> being just a church lady or an old church guy, right? The end goal is sanctity. It is total and complete union with Jesus Christ. So teaching about them. I, I just can't I can't get more excited about a topic than the Saints, right? I think the Saints have played in times literally, I can I could give you examples of times that literally physically have saved my life. But also just in every day, right? I I, I know that they're here and I know that they intervene and uh I, I engage them regularly. And and when you start to engage them regularly, you'll start to feel that same way. Both of these relationships, both with the angels and the saints, you kind of get out of it what you put into it, okay? Um, both of them are limited by our sin. Both of them are limited by our belief. Both of them are limited by our faith, right? And so when we when we start to try to really strive for holiness, when we start to really learn about the teaching on the angels and the saints, when we learn about saints, they start to be able to interact with us more fully, right? Um, at least that seems to be the normal pattern. And so I, I would encourage you, right? These are two willing partners in evangelization that we very, very rarely engage uh, that can be, they can be game changers, right? These can be game changers for us uh, as evangelists to engage their uh, incredible power, which which is the power of God, right? The charity that they, that they, uh, that changed their life, uh, the charity that they profess, right? Uh, it can be, it, it will be life changing for those that we are trying to evangelize. 
In a minute, we'll come back with a few practical tips uh, regarding the angels and saints. Uh, and you'll hear some uh, great, probably about some great products from Ascension Press here. Uh, we love being a part of the Ascension Press community. Uh, you know, it's just been such a blessing to do this podcast, and they have wonderful, wonderful products. So please uh, take a listen and go to their website. As always, if you have any questions about evangelization at all or about discipleship, the faith, anything, you know, that we we can uh, try to answer for you on the air. We love to hear your questions. We love to hear your comments. Uh, you can reach us at EKSB, EKSB at ascensionpress.com. Uh, and those emails go right to either, uh, to both Gomer and I, and usually Gomer responds and usually I think I responded and then three weeks later realized I never did. So, uh, but I'll try my best. Uh, that's EKSB at ascensionpress.com. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about how to pray like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on uh, evangelization and discipleship. And we're back here with your five practical takeaways. I hope you were able to hear about a resource, maybe uh, maybe something you know leapt in your heart when you heard about a resource from Ascension. Feel free to uh, take a look at all their resources. I mean, especially at this time when churches aren't able to have events, such a great idea to, to fill your life with uh, those things that normally would have been, you know, uh, provided by your parish. So ascensionpress.com as always. Here are your five practical takeaways, okay? Number one, some of you might already do this, and it might be the prayer that you learned when you were studying for your first communion, but add in a, a prayer, a daily prayer to your guardian angel, right? And you could even just write this yourself if you want. Uh, I, I, I tend to, to do it on the fly, right? I, I, don't, I don't usually use a, a ritual prayer or a devotional prayer. I usually just say, you know, uh, oh, angel of God, you know, who God has deemed to uh, place near me to, you know, guide me to him. I, I just ask for your intercession today, for your protection. I ask that you would uh, bless me with lights from God and draw me away from uh, the darkness. You know, something simple like that. You know, uh, you can just look one right up and there's probably about a hundred online of Catholic prayers for uh, to our guardian angel. So add that to your daily prayers. Number two, I mentioned that I had a personal litany of saints that I pray, you know, about 20 saints on my list that every day I, you know, I pray for their particular intercession. And I end that litany with all saints and angels, please pray for me as well. But come up with your own litany, right? I, I bet if you look back at your life, there are certain saints that at certain times have kind of um, prodded in, right? Jumped into your life. And so it's nice to engage them, right? Uh, and add them to that litany. Come up with your own litany of saints. Number three, 
we've we've made this recommendation before. I'm going to make it again. Pick up a, a a really good biography of a saint. Pick up a really good one. Um, not just something like uh you know like one of the daily devotionals just about their life that's really brief. I'm talking about something where you get to know this person inside and out. Right. Uh, they're they are out there. One of the one of the ways to find it is to find if there's if there's one in particular that was written by one of their spiritual directors. Right. That's usually a very uh, comprehensive uh, biography of a saint. And that can be a really great blessing in your life. Number four. Okay. Now, this is going to be hard. Oh, it's going to be for some of you, you're going to say, oh, this is just too old school Catholic for me, maybe. But pick a saint that you love. Right. Pick a saint that you love uh, and find a prayer card of theirs that you can order online, right? Order, I'd say maybe a hundred, right? You can probably do this for like 20 bucks. Um, order maybe a hundred prayer cards and have them available and, and just ask that saint, just, just this, okay? Say, uh, let's say it's St. Gemma. St. Gemma, I, I want to engage you in, in my apostolate. I want to engage you in my evangelization. I ask you to pray for me, but I also ask if there's someone who you feel like I should give your prayer to, your card to, Please just kind of put it on my heart and, and I won't say anything to them. I'll just give it to them. I won't, I won't say it's a message from you or anything like that. I'll just give them this prayer card and use it as a little evangelization tool. Okay. Finally, number five, I mentioned the account of the Annunciation. I know for a fact that we've made this one of our practical takeaways before, but it's so important for evangelists. In the Annunciation, we see an example of how God engages the angel Gabriel, right, to bring the good news, right? He is an evangelist in that sense, right? And that's what we are trying to do. And so I want you to just pop open your Bibles, uh, read the story of the Annunciation, and, and truly enter into that story and learn from it and ask the angel Gabriel to teach you how to be a good bringer of good news, right, as he was. Uh, ask the angel Gabriel to do that. So uh, I pray for all of you every day, all the listeners of Every Knee Shall Bow, and I hope that you pray for us too. Pray for you through the intercession of the angels and saints, and I hope to hear from you uh, and hope to uh, speak to you next week and hopefully joined by uh, my illustrious co-host, Michael Gormley, next time. So God bless and thank you all. Thank you.